Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning in verse 7. We continue on where Ezekiel says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered over them. But notice here, there was no breath in them. Then also the Lord said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. Touch your neighbor and tell them, you are alive and you are not dead. So I prophesied as I commanded, notice here, and breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. I want to continue to talk to you about growing your spirit. Give your neighbor a high five, tell them it's going to be good this morning, and you can go ahead and be seated. Who was here on Wednesday night? Right. And I want you to come back this next Wednesday. It's going to be powerful. I want to continue to talk about what I was talking about on Wednesday night about growing your spirit. We know that Ezekiel was a prophet with a special assignment from the Lord. What was his assignment? To stir the spirit of God's people in the midst of their trouble. Because how many know that trouble will try to kill your spirit? How many know that captivity will try to kill your spirit? Touch your neighbor and tell them, don't let trouble kill your spirit. So here's Israel in the midst of captivity and captivity is trying to kill their spirit. The temple had been broken down. The walls had been destroyed. They find themselves in a foreign land. So the Lord assigns them a prophet. And here's what I believe with all my heart is that every single one of us has a voice. Every single one of us have been called by God to help others be stirred in the midst of the trouble. Why did God raise up an Ezekiel? Because God always needs an Ezekiel. God always needs a pastor. God always needs a leader to rise up and help his people get to the place that God has called them to be. That's why God raised up Moses. How many can say amen? It was Moses that helped the people come out of Egypt and come into the place of deliverance. So now God is raising up an Ezekiel that in the midst of their trouble, there's somebody who could speak to the spirit of the people. That's why I want to tell those of you that came to church this morning. I know it's summer. I know there's a lot going on. I know the weather's good, summertime, and the weather is fine. But I'm glad that you came to church. Tell your neighbor, I'm glad you came to church. Because when you come to church, that's where your spirit can be stirred. You ain't saying nothing to me today. So Ezekiel begins to rise up. To stir the hearts of the people, and God gives them this vision. Now, Ezekiel was a very visionary prophet. If you read the book of Ezekiel from cover to cover, you will find that he had many visions. But the Lord begins to speak to him and tell Ezekiel, he says, even though these bones are dead, I can bring them back to life. How many are grateful that God brought you back to life? He says, not only can I bring them back to life, but I can repair them. And how many know that Jesus doesn't just save us, but how many know he repairs us as well? He takes broken things and he repairs them. He takes things that were fragmented in our life and he puts them back in their proper place. Somebody thank the Lord right now that he put things back in their proper place. 
Some of you need to get excited because you weren't talking to your parents. Now you're talking to them. You weren't talking to your siblings. Now you're talking to them. Can I hear an amen? You didn't have any finances, but now God has opened up the windows of heaven. Come on, somebody. And he's beginning to repair some things. He gave you back your dignity. Say amen. Then he says, I can assemble them. I can put them in order and I can organize them. And then finally, he says, I can breathe on them. So notice here that after Ezekiel is obedient to the Lord. And how many know it's important to be obedient to the Lord? How many know there's a blessing when you're obedient to the Lord? After he's obedient to the Lord, he begins to prophesy to the bones. He begins to speak to the bones that all of a sudden the bones begin to rattle. And I think this, church, that when good preaching is taking place, bones should rattle. You ought to shout amen. You ought to give God praise if you've heard a word from the Lord. The bones begin to rattle. The bones then were lifted up. They were reconnected. They were reassembled. They were realigned. What a, what a sight to see. Imagine being Ezekiel in this vision, seeing these bones that were fragmented in, in, in a valley of defeat. And all of a sudden, as he begins to do what the Lord says, that's what some of you are going to do. Watch. That's what some of you are going to do. You're going to go back home, and you're going to begin to prophesy to those unsafe children. You're going to begin to prophesy to that dead situation in your life, that seemingly dead situation. And then what are you going to see? You're going to see God begin to move in your situation. So Ezekiel is prophesying, doing what the Lord told him to do. And these bones begin to rattle. They begin to assemble. They begin to be organized. But then something was missing. In verse 8, it says there was no breath in them. And that's what I want to talk to you about. Because the devil wants to knock the wind out of you. There was no breath in them. There was no spirit. So God tells him in verse 9 and verse 10, he says, son of man, I want you to speak to the breath. I want you to prophesy to the breath. So then uh, Ezekiel begins to prophesy to the breath. He says he prophesied as he commanded. And then notice here, that's when the breath came into them. Watch this. And they lived, and they stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. See, friends, I want to tell you something this morning, is that God has called us to be something more than just a gathering. God has called us to be something more than just a church that meets in four walls. God has called us to be something more than what we call a family, how many know God has also called us to be an army? Are there any warriors in the house of the Lord this morning? But notice here that the bones, that even though they were assembled, they could not be an army until their spirit came back to life. I, I think there's some people here this morning. You're here, but you have no spirit. You're here and you need a revival in your soul. Notice the scripture here. It says they could not become an exceedingly great army until their spirit was revived, until their spirit was enlarged, until their spirit came back to life. Christian, I want to tell you something. God's people are not called to walk around with a small spirit because people with a small spirit can't make a difference. People with a small spirit can't have an effect on a world that is full of demonic spirits and demonic forces and forces that are working against the church on a daily basis. I believe that this is a place where God wants to breathe into us one more time. 
Oh, come on and shout amen and give God praise. He wants to fill you with his spirit because he wants to grow your spirit. He wants to build your spirit. You are not called to be defeated. You are called to walk in victory. You are not to call, called to walk with your head down. You're called to walk with your head held high knowing the God you serve. You are not defeated. You are victory outreach. Victory outreach is your first name. He wants to breathe on you again. Come on and get excited. He wants to put his spirit in in you he wants that spirit to begin to rise up if you need revival you are in the right place this morning now Ezekiel had this vision and he was a very visionary prophet but why did God give Ezekiel such clear and vibrant visions well because God wanted to really be clear to Ezekiel and speak to him about a number of things that happen to, the, to, to God's people, to the people of God. The first thing is that God wanted to show Ezekiel. He, he looks at Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, I need to show you how the people lost their power. Because just because you call yourself a Christian and put on the Christian label doesn't mean you have the power of God in your life. And so God is telling Ezekiel, I need to show you how they lost their power. As he looked out into this valley of dry bones, he sees that this army was defeated in spiritual battle. Say this with me. It's a spiritual battle. They did not lose as a result of conventional warfare. They first lost the spiritual battle. And that's what, as a church, we must understand. That's what every person, man, woman, and child here this morning must understand that we are not in a conventional war. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Are you hearing me today? We, are, we do not hold guns, we do not hold swords, and we do not hold actual shields. But how many know we are in a spiritual war? We are in a spiritual battle, and we have a spiritual enemy. Touch your neighbor and tell them the devil hates you. Yes, he does. Because any time you come into Christ, you make a big enemy by the name of Satan. And what Satan wants to do is he wants to take you back to the place you were. Oh, you're not hearing me in this place. He wants to pull you back into the problems, pull you back into the curses, pull you back into the brokenness. But how many know the devil is a liar? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. I came to tell you that the battle is spiritual. That's why you as a Christian should know that the devil cannot really defeat you. Okay? I want you to catch this. The devil cannot really defeat you. If Christ is in your life, you are more powerful than the devil. If Christ is in your life, you cannot be possessed by demons. The spirits of the world cannot overtake you. Come on, somebody. But here's the, here's the challenge, is that the devil is crafty. Mm-mm-mm. He's a crafty devil. He's very crafty. He's a trickster. Come on, somebody. He's good at what he does. And so even though the devil knows he cannot defeat you, he will try to trick you into defeat nonetheless. Mm-hmm. 
How does he do it? He does it by getting you and I to let sin to come in. Oh, my God. Is it all around us? So essentially, the devil doesn't beat us. We beat ourselves. Mm, my God. Defeat, watch this, is an inside job. You ain't saying nothing to me. Tell your neighbor, it's an inside job. It's, it's when something wrong goes, happens on the inside. It's when something takes place on the inside that all of a sudden we let sin in. And then what happens is when sin comes in, sin begins to do what sin does. <laughs> sin wants to bring death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So basically, it's not that God pays us back for our sin. It's just that sin in itself carries a wage. The more you sin, the more death you allow into your life. You ain't saying nothing to me. I'm trying to teach you something this morning. See, this army wasn't defeated by the enemy. This army was defeated by themselves. Watch this. They drained themselves of the power that God gave them. And that's what you've got to catch inside of your heart is that you have power. You have the power of God in your life, but the power becomes depleted when we exalt worldly things over the things of God, you ain't saying nothing to me. That's why I'm proud of you for being in church this morning. Because you're saying to yourself, the things of God are more important than the things of the world. This is good teaching. Come on, clap. This is good teaching. And what the world wants to do is drain you of your power drain you of your knowledge of God so that way when the enemy comes in come on somebody with his tricks and his lies you won't have enough power to resist him because Paul told the New Testament church something very simple he said resist the devil and what but when you have no power mm -mm -mm. oh you ain't say nothing to me you don't have the power to resist it just simply takes for someone to say, devil, get out of my face. When you're moving in the power of God, all you need to do is speak to the enemy in the name of Jesus and say, I have the power. See, but what the world wants to do is the world wants you to lose your power. He wants there to be, uh, the world wants there to be a spiritual power outage in the church. Where the church can't move anything and the church can't influence anything for the good. And the church can't get the family to the church and the church can't get the loved ones saved. You ain't saying nothing to me this morning. And so the world wants to just break you down. Break down your spirit. Break down your heart. Defeat you from the inside. Let me put it this way. The people at work. Are you hearing me? They just want to break you down. They just want to politic you into powerlessness. Unsafe family members and the negativity. They just want to break you down. Worldly friends. They just want to break you down. Talking negative all the time. Out there talking about sin. Talking about things of the world. What does that do when you hang out in that atmosphere? All it does is just kill your spirit. All it does is just break you down. Drama. Conflict. Arguments. You're not saying nothing to me this morning. 
And what happens is when we let sin come in, it breaks us down by drying us out. Woo. Those are the Christians that can't shout. Those are the Christians that can't worship God, that can't sing, that can't lift their hands in church because they just let problems dry them out. Oh, my God. You know, is it true or not? They come in and it starts getting good and they want to walk out because they're so dry. They can't even drink the water. Can I hear an amen? But we are people that understand what it is to get into the presence of the Lord. Don't let sin dry you out. What was the violation in the people is that they got away from the word. That's why I'm proud of you for being here this morning. Because every time you position your life under the word... You tell the world, you can't dry me out. Mm -mm -mm. If you're watching me online and you couldn't get here because you're sick in body, I'm proud of you for watching online. Because every time you position yourself under the word, you're letting the world know you can't dry me out. Is there anyone here that says, I'm not going to let the world dry me out? I'm not going to let worldly things dry me out. I'm not going to let drama dry me out. You have the power, but you've got to stay in the word. God told Joshua, if you're going to conquer, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Right. Let the word stay in your mouth. So the people were dry. They were very dry. But the good news is that they weren't dead. And that's where commentators bring out that even though they look dead to Ezekiel, how many know to God, nothing is dead. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Come on, somebody. The God that pulled Lazarus out of the tomb was about to make these dry bones live again. Oh, that's good news for somebody. Because there could be someone here right now that feels dead in the spirit. But I've got some good news for you. God has the power to bring you back to life. You're not dead. You're just sleeping. You're not dead. You're just dry. You're not dead. Come on, somebody. You just need a touch of God within your life. So he tells him, watch me bring him back to life. So then the second thing he shows him, he says, Ezekiel, not only do I need to show you how they lost their power, but Ezekiel, I need to show you the strategy for success. Say this with me. Say, there's a strategy for success. Here's the key. The spirit of God is the strategy for success. The spirit of the living God. That's the strategy. See, it's not about the information. Watch. It's about the transformation. Come on now. It's not just about the logos. It's about the rima. Come on now. There's a spirit in what God wants to do. And so... The strategy for success is the spirit of God. And he begins to teach Ezekiel this, is that when the power of God's spirit is, in al is alive in the people, this is the key, watch. When the, when the power of God's spirit is alive, alive in the people, now they can do spiritual warfare. You hearing me? Because an army is for the purpose of warfare. Right? The church is not a bless me club. I bless you, you bless me. We come to church to get spiritual goosebumps. Talk to me, somebody. But how many know the church is to be mobilized into spiritual warfare? Once God gets a hold of your life, once you get filled with the Spirit, He fills you so that you can leave these four walls and you can begin to prophesy. 
that you can begin to leave these four walls, watch this, and you begin to use the weaponry that you have. Are you hearing me today? He assembles us, but then he breathes on us so that he can mobilize to do spiritual warfare against the enemy. The strategy for success is the spirit. That's why it's so important to have the spirit of the Lord moving in your life. That's why it's so important, watch this, not to quench the spirit of the Lord in your life. Watch this. That's why it's so important not to grieve the Holy Spirit. What did King David say? He said, take not thy... Mm, you, don't, you don't want me. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of my salvation. Is there anyone here that knows what it is to have the joy of the Lord because the Holy Spirit is giving you power? The Spirit. Someone say, the Spirit is the strategy for success. That's why Jesus tells his disciples after three years of training. Watch. It's not information. Take numbers, not information. Now, information is important. But that's why Jesus tells his disciples after three years of being with them, living with them, teaching them, modeling for them, performing miracles for them to see. That's why he tells them, Go to the upper room and wait. Because information is not enough. You go ahead and go try to tell the devil the information, you're still going to get beat up. Because it's not just about information. It's about the movement of God's spirit and the power of God in your life working through the information. Oh, you ain't hearing me today. He tells them to go and wait. In the upper room, watch. And then what does he tell them? Acts 1.8. He said, you shall receive what? Say it like you got it. You shall receive what? Power. One more time. You shall receive what? Power. The strategy for success is the power of God in our spirit. It's the power of God in our life. And that's why the upper room was important, because they needed the encounter to use the information to push the enemy back. Now do you see why the devil wants your spirit? Mm -mm -mm. Now do you see what the devil is really after? Look at someone and tell them, don't let the devil have your spirit. Oh, my God. He can take your car. He can take your job. But he can't have your spirit. Come on. People can walk in and out of your life. Come on, somebody. But he can't have your spirit. Come on, talk to me. This is the good part. Come on, trials could come against you. Things could come against you. But you've got to say to the devil, you cannot have my spirit. You cannot have my praise. You cannot have my worship. You cannot have what's happening inside of me. Come on, somebody. We need a people in Victory Outreach that understand the value of fighting for your spirit. Fighting for the spirit of God. Enlarging your spirit. Come on, somebody. That was the prayer of Jabez. 
Jabez. We need some Jabezes to rise up and say, Lord, I'm tired of being small. I'm tired of being average. I'm tired of living up to everybody else's expectations. Lord, would you enlarge my territory? I thank God for the promises of Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, where the Lord said to the children of Israel, he said, even though you're barren, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your state. That's what we need in Victory Outreach. People that are going to stretch out their spirit and they're not going to let their spirit shrink and let their spirit die. Come on and give God a praise if I'm talking to the right people this morning. We are big spirit people. We're not characters. We're anointed people of God. We have a big spirit. We have a contagious spirit. Are you hearing me today? See, that's what the army needs. The army needs to grow their spirit. I want to give you three very quick things and then I'll let you go. Of what it's going to take to grow your spirit if you feel that your spirit is under attack. I want to point out the first thing this morning. Write this down. To grow your spirit, you must prune what is dead in your life. Mm -mm -mm. Say this with me. Say, dead things have got to go. You've got to prune what's dead in your life. Growing your spirit is about letting go of things that no longer bear fruit. I bet you if you were to look long enough, You've got things in your life that are no longer servicing you. You have relationships in your life that are no longer servicing you. In fact, you're doing all the servicing and you're not getting anything in return. Mm -hmm. Because one thing we can learn through Jesus' teaching of John 15 is that dead vines produce sour grapes. Write that down. Dead vines produce sour grapes. You ever eat a sour grape? Isn't that a horrible experience? You feel like spitting it out because it's bitter, it's sour. There's so many Christians in the house of the Lord who are bitter and sour and grumpy. It even affects their face. They're like, they look like they're sucking on a sour grape. Can't praise. Can't give anybody any compliments. Can't say thank you. Can't just, they just have a critical heart, a critical spirit. They carry a spirit of criticism in their life. Everything's going great. Wasn't that great? It was all right. Ooh, you sour grape Christian. Get that sour grape out of your mouth. Someone say, grow your spirit. So you got to remove the dead, the dead canes, the dead vines, because they're sucking up the nutrients that the new fruit needs. So instead of getting juicy, crispy, luscious, sweet grapes, you get sour grapes. You've got to look for dead things in your life, and you've got to let them go. 
That means you got to let go of the past. That means you got to stop nursing, cursing, and rehearsing things from the past. Someone said you can't move to the next chapter of your life if you're still rereading the last chapter. I came to tell you something. We are not in the wilderness anymore. We are in the promised land. We are in a new chapter. You are not the man that you used to be. You are not the woman that you used to be. You are not the leader. Hey, come on, somebody. Turn the page. Stop reading the past. Stop reading about what happened yesterday. It was no good. Don't read it. Don't go there. God is doing a new thing. Can I hear a good amen? It's time to move on. Somebody say move on. Tell your neighbor, I'm moving on. I'm moving on from old thinking. I'm moving on from old mentalities. I'm moving on from old relationships that keep me in the valley of dry bone. I'm moving away from dead Christianity. I'm moving away from religion. I'm moving away from coming into church and just doing the sign of the cross and checking in and checking out. It's time to let the spirit of the Lord begin to take over. It's time to grow my spirit. It's time to make a difference. It's time to prophesy. It's time to be in Ezekiel. I'm not dry bones anymore. I'm in Ezekiel. I'm going to prophesy. Come on, somebody. It's time to kill the dead thing. That's why I can't be around certain people, man. That's why I become familiar with the block button. You know it? You know the block button? I block them on Facebook. I block them on Instagram. And if, if their phone number is in my phone, I block them there too. I can't be around dead people, man. They're just sucking the life out of me all the time. I got a job to do. I'm in an Ezekiel. I've got to come in here and prophesy to dead bones. I got to come in here and try to help people get to the next level. I don't got time for their drama. They don't want to change. They got to find another preacher. They don't want to go to another level. They got to find another church. Don't come to my church. You're sucking me dry. I need some people here that want to grow their spirit. I'm looking for a group of people that want to change. I'm looking for a group of people that say, God's got something bigger for me. I'm looking for a group of people that say, I'm called to be in Ezekiel. I'm called to bring dead things back to life. Woo! You know, I had this weird dream a, a few weeks ago. Can I just tell you, this wasn't in my notes, but I just feel anointed right now. I was at a church meeting somewhere, a Christian meeting, and I was talking to someone, and back of the church and it's like a gathering and one of the old people that I knew that didn't come to church no more walked in and they looked at me and said I look at them you know how rough they could be and then they walked out and I just ignored them and they walked back in and I knew who they were because they were in my church for a long time. And I said, what? And, he said, and so, you know, I said, you, come here. And so they came over. And then I was feeling the joy. I had all the power of God. I felt so free. And then you know what that person told me? They said to me, you don't belong in here. So you know what I did? This was just a dream. I grabbed the guy in a headlock, 
I started punching him in the face. I said, the devil is a liar. I'm going into it. You're not taking me back. I better close this message up. Hey, Jesus had a guy go to him and said, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'll follow you wherever you go. He says, but first, let me bury my father. Watch what Jesus said. You already know it. You already know it. Tell me what he said. Let the dead bury the dead. You go preach the kingdom of God. That's your word, Victory Outreach San Diego. Let the dead bury the dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. You go preach the kingdom of God. You go do what God has called you to do. Come on and clap. I'm almost done. Come on and give him praise. Come on up, uh, Matthew. Is this a good word? We're called to do warfare. I've got some more for the next service, but I'm going to end here. We're called to do warfare. We've got to prune those dead things. Because if we don't prune those dead things, come on. We're not going to be able to do what God has called us to do. And that's what those dead things want. They want to hold you. They want to chain you. They want to shackle your feet. Mm, I love that song. Take the shackles off my feet so I can dance. In other words, get the shackles off my feet because, devil, you can't have my spirit. You can go ahead and give him praise. Come on, give him a spirit clap. You can't have him. Uh-uh. You've got to come to church with the mentality that I come to church to get my spirit free. So that when I leave the church, I can do warfare. I come to church so that I can get my spirit free. So that I can get the information, that I can get the power, and I can leave this place. And I can prophesy to dead bones. I can let people know that there's a better way. I can let people know that God is faithful to his promises. I can let people know that he's still a delivering God. He's still a God that sets people free. Are you hearing me today? Some of you have the information today. You could quote the Bible to me cover to cover. Some of you are here and you make up scriptures. God helps those that help themselves. No, that's not in the Bible now. Tomorrow's not promised. It's not in the Bible. So you make up scriptures because you're not in the word. You don't come to church enough. You're not in a Bible study. You're not learning the things of God. So then what happens? You have no power. And church is a place where we come to grow our spirit. That's what God wants to do. You're a Jabez. Come on, somebody. You're like that barren woman in Isaiah 54. You're going to enlarge it. You're going to give birth. Come on, somebody. You're an Ezekiel. You're a Paul. You're a Deborah, a woman of war. You're a David. Can I hear an amen? Is there anyone here that agrees with that promise for your life? But you've got to guard your spirit. I want you to stand.
and I want to I want to make an altar call in a moment, but this is going to be an altar call that I, I'm going to put on you. But what I want you to do is just lift up your hands right now. And I want you to begin to access the presence of God. And I want you to begin to say, devil, you can't have my spirit. Mm -mm -mm. No, no, no. You can't have my spirit. I'm an Ezekiel. You can't have my worship. You can't have my praise. Devil, you can't come in. I'm not going to let you come in through sin. You're, I see your tricks. I see your lies.